You are listening to a Banzai Retro Club podcast. Language and topics may not always be appropriate for younger listeners. Press 1 for a groovy topic from the 1970s. Press 2 for an awesome topic from the 1980s. Or press 3 for a slamming topic from the 1990s. Please choose now. Too late. We have made your selection for you. Let's start the show. This is a something podcast. I don't think there's anybody back there. You or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters! Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you! Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. It to each other. Party on, dudes! Hey there, everybody. This is Bonsai Retro Club. I am Dave. Online, I've got Suzanne. Hey there. And kids, what we have here is a special treat because we are diving back into our 1980s essential movie list. Uh, for those that are not familiar with the list, um, I'm going to give you the quick little synopsis of what we're doing with this. Um, a while ago, I found this thing on RottenTomatoes.com, which said these are 140 of the essential 1980s movies. Now, I don't think I really dug in to find out how this list was curated. You know, and so and, and th- along the way, I've kind of questioned, you know, why certain things are on the list or why they're in the order that they are. But regardless, well, what, what I decided to do way back when was that I wanted to record an episode for every one of these movies that's on this 1980s essential list. So this is it. This is number 56. So we worked our way from 140 all the way up to 56. We're visiting 1984's Repo Man. Uh, what Rotten Tomatoes has written up for the little synopsis of it is this after being fired from his job, Los Angeles slacker and punk rocker Otto, played by Emilio Estevez, lands a gig working for an eccentric reposition agent named Bud, who's played by the late great Harry Dean Stanton. At first, Otto's reluctant to work as a repo man, but he grows to love the fast-paced job. After learning of a Chevy Malibu that has been given a $20,000 price tag, Otto embarks on a quest to find the car with beautiful Layla, who's uh, played by actress Olivia Barash, Barash, who claims the trunk's contents are otherworldly. So that's it. That's Repo Man. Um... You know, like I said, that's number 56 on the list. And I'm going to say these words that you probably heard me say multiple times on some of these episodes is I've never seen this. 
Um, but I promise you, I promise you that when we start getting into, let's say, 52 on, hearing that phrase from me is going to be rare. Um, so we're still we're still edging our way to the the the, the golden land, uh, as I'm going to call it. You know, of the <laughs> I like that description. Of the, the golden land the golden, on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, the, of the movies that I've actually did see, consume, and have plenty to talk about. Um, what I've got for Repo Man, I watched the trailer a little earlier today, and I actually watched a review by uh, Cisco and Ebert. That's all I've got. What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue, no explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. You eat a lot of acid, Miller, back in the hippie days? Put it on a plate, son. You'll enjoy it more. Couldn't enjoy it anymore, Mom. Mm-mm-mm. This is swell. What's this? <laughs> Charming friends you got there, Otto. Thanks. I made it myself. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? Not at all. A friend of mine had one. I do my best thinking on the bus. That's how come I don't drive, see? You don't even know how to drive. I don't want to know how. I don't want to learn, see? The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. So, Suzanne, do you mm. have a relationship with this movie? Well, I wouldn't call it a relationship. Um, maybe a one-night stand, I guess. <laughs> no, I didn't see. The thing is, I didn't see this back in the day, okay. back in 1984, which right. is one of my favorite years ever. I, um, I've heard all about it. Um, I remember everybody making a big deal about this, the soundtrack, but I didn't watch it. I hadn't seen it then. I don't know. I just like it's one of the things I missed. But it's really a cult favorite. In like you know I'm kind of kind of big on the whole new new wave milieu yeah and that's that was that was kind of my jam in the 80s okay so this was like kind of a punk rock movie the description is very apt uh, and in fact I think this director went on to do Sid and Nancy a couple of years later okay which you know of course was another you know punk movie um, I just watched it this afternoon 
Real, you you yeah. actually did way more research on these uh, central movies than we're required to. Look at you. Gold star <laughs> well, for Suzanne. Oh, thank you. Well, I didn't really do research. It's just I know it's one of the movies that kind of it, it, it's its origins. Like I should have seen it. Its origins yes. are in the whole culture that I was sort of a part of. Yeah. Um, or, you know, was it, it, it kind of fit in everybody knew Repo Man. And when I said I was going to watch it today, my husband started quoting things verbatim from the film because he's seen it like a hundred times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he said that it was like a requirement at his fraternity. You had to watch it over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, all right, you know, maybe this one I will watch so I can contribute something. So I did. I saw it today. And I'm sure it's a whole different experience than having seen it when I was, you know, 20. Uh, and in that kind of, um, in that atmosphere. Right. But, you know, I could still appreciate it. <laughs> okay. And I guess I could talk about it a little bit. And I did, like, I, did, I didn't look those other things up. I remembered that stuff. I, rem- I recognized the name of the director. Because okay. remember, I used to work for film companies and stuff. I, right, you right. know, so I kind of have a little background on that stuff. And this is uh, directed by Alex Cox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just and I said, it wasn't that Sid and Nancy? And I looked it up and it was. But these were like his only two films that really stood out to me. He had a whole list of others. I think he kind of went downhill after he got out of that the punk scene. <laughs> OK, OK. But that's I, um, just my- so I looked at the timeline. And so this was before Breakfast Club for Emilio. Yeah, this was pretty early. I don't think I think at the time people didn't you know, like he wasn't there wasn't really a brat pack type of thing happening right it was just you recognized him because he was charlie sheen sorry he was uh martin sheen's son right right charlie sheen yeah didn't even have a movie yet he didn't even have a career yet so um yeah the uh the, the trailer that i watched and one of the scenes i i, I found because they were talking about it on cisco and ebert and one of them liked the movie the other one di- uh, didn't like it at all um <laughs> I wouldn't really expect them to like it, but not that I've seen too many of their reviews, but it wasn't exactly made for anybody in their age group, right. even them at the time. <laughs> and I always get the two confused. I think Siskel was the skinnier one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I Siskel, think so right? yeah. Siskel was the one that didn't like it. Ebert did. Um, the What Ebert liked about it was because it really played into the anti-establishment of the time kind of vibe um so i guess he appreciated that kind of thing and he he had even talked about the scene that i looked up because i looked it up because of the review that i watched you know with cisco and ebert um but it was the uh the scene where uh harry dean stanton's character is giving otto or emilio estevez the rules of being a repo man (laughs) so so i did you know i did see you know that scene um, which was okay. very interesting. And what was really kind of comical was like after he gets done with this spill, he's like, you know, they get done doing some coke. And then he's like, you know what? Let's go get a drink. Uh, and then I'm sitting there, you know, watching them at the, um, you know, the liquor store and they're buying cans of a plain label that says drink. <laughs> I'm like, all right, maybe you know, this is a movie I need to invest some time and watch. You know, you know what? Once again, I've never seen the film, so I wasn't familiar with that. But I found that that I think that's the funniest 
part of the film, and it's something because every <laughs> single product, every single product has that same label, and it, to the point where he pulls a can out of his refrigerator, pops the lid open, and the the can just says food. <laughs> Every single product, and they start out, he's working at a grocery store, and he gets fired because he's, you know, this rowdy guy who tells everybody to screw off. But every product on the shelf, I swear, Dave, white with the blue, bat, you know, the blue stripe, yeah. and then it just says, you know, cornflake, 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 or beer, beer, beer. And then throughout the thing, they're drinking cans of beer that just say beer. And <laughs> it's hysterical. And But, like, they don't call attention to it all it just happens throughout the whole thing the guys they're in the liquor store they fall against the bottle it said london gin and i just thought that's just brilliant that and you know like <laughs> everything is so stupidly generic and his parents are kind of zombies like have fallen for some kind of um i forget the preacher's name but um, you know, some some evangelist on television who's telling them to send him money. And so they sent away his, you know, would be college fund or whatever it is to the, the preacher. And they're just sitting like zombies on the couch as he's trying to talk to them um, as, you know, eating the can of food that says food. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that in the trailer and I thought he was eating dog food. That's what it looks like. I don't know what it. You can't really tell. I think maybe you're supposed to think, "What the hell is that gross thing that he's eating?" Right. Because I I couldn't even tell you what it is. Because yeah, he's just <laughs> eating out of a can, and I think his mother says something like, "You know, you should put it on a plate. You'll enjoy it more." Yeah, but she won't. They don't don't even like look away from the TV when they're talking to yeah. him. <laughs> it's really sad. So you know, from that, from that, those silly little things that they did. The movie's not taking itself too seriously. Okay. Because the rest of it is kind of, is a little depraved. They're just <laughs> it's depraved. Okay. So Yeah, they're I, just like, they're all bums. and <laughs> But it's weird. It's a weird film. I can see why people liked it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it definitely looks like that because it's something that I was not, you know, I, I don't know if I was expecting it because I just didn't know anything about the movie. But, you know, as soon as I saw the scenes where all of a sudden they're looking in the back of the trunk and mm. then, you know, zap, and then there's nothing left but boots. Does no, the movie the eventually... Why not the whole thing? I don't know. <laughs> does, it, does the movie eventually show you or tell you what's in there? Um, well, they don't show you what's in there, but, but things happen. I mean, you, things happen where they verify that that's what it is, pretty much. It's got a kind of grease ending with the, fly, the car like comes up in the air and flies around. Okay. Because I think it's supposedly being – all right, maybe I should start more from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, they because I didn't know if this is going to be like another one of those uh, Quentin Tarantino type of Pulp Fiction things where you open the case, you see a bright light, but you don't know what's in it, you know, so – It sort of is, but it's not nearly that slick. It okay. feels very low budget. Okay. To me, it felt like – uh, kind of a low budget white trash version of a of a cool X Files episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Low budget X Files. I'm I'm with you. Kind of because there is this whole alien thing that's going on, and now I had seen that that uh, the scene where the guy gets fried. There's maybe a couple scenes like that, but there's a very famous scene where the police officer looks in the trunk. Yeah. And then all, everything's gone but his boots. Yeah. I had no idea that was the opening scene of the movie though. Okay. Having seen that for years 
Right. That's like the first thing you see. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is a guy getting fried by the trunk. So you know there's something you know crazy going on. Um, and then you meet the girl who's on the who's literally running from someone on the street that he meets, and she's has is bringing like some kind of story and photo to a news organization saying that there are aliens inv- invading. So you know that there's a connection now between aliens and what's in the car and. And, you know, there's a conspiracy and like FBI type people who are following them around and everybody's very kind of stoic and almost comical, real tongue in cheek, weird, campy type of pink, pink flamingos, John Waters type of stuff. OK, OK. Um, and basically, because he gets he gets kicked out of his job and almost rooked into being a, re, a repo man. Some by Harry, Harry Dean Stanton fools him into repoing his first car. And he finds it's, you know, it's decent money. But, of course, he's being chased all around Los Angeles by, you know, gangster types and FBI types. And, you know, they're they're trying to, to abduct all these different cars. And they're in the middle of this plot that the government, you know, we think it's the government. They don't really say but <laughs> where the government is trying to cover up the fact that this is Chevy Malibu, Malibu uh, driving around Los Angeles with aliens in the trunk. And eventually, eventually they do kind of resolve that the, the whole car becomes phosphorescent. And Harry Dean Stanton is in there, eventually pulls in Emilio Estevez, and they've got the helicopters going saying, get away from the car, and they're being shot at. And the car eventually does just go. Oh, and him, and there's a, like a garage attendant who's this bummy guy who spouts all this, like, stupid philosophy that makes no sense that you're like oh god what drugs are he on is he on (laughs) (laughs) but so um Otto who's Emilio Estevez and the garage attendant uh end up in the car lifting up into the air flying across you know above Los Angeles you know looking out the window at the lights and going wow so I think it's pretty definitive that there's an alien involved okay okay but is a, it is a little like that silly, doesn't not really meant to look real type of lift up the car into the air like the end of Greece. So, <laughs> you know, like yeah, you're like, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. Uh, are we supposed to buy that? Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, many theories abound about you know the uh, the end of Greece. Like what you know what yeah, where what? are they going? Why <laughs> really? why why um you know. So, but yeah, without going into that, so it's, it's so Repo Man does kind of deliver on, you know, kind of what's going on with the uh, the the bright light. Then, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Unlike it becomes Pulp more and more yeah. a part of the whole plot. Okay. All right. Um, but it's kind of a low key way, like it's not a flashy movie. It's not Terminator. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I gathered that just by the uh, the trailer that I watched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but is this something you'd watch again? I would watch it again, but I would want to watch it with people who were fans. Like maybe I watch it again with my husband or okay. my okay. roommates from college. Okay. Okay. Um, the the soundtrack is really cool. I'm finding from what I was told about the soundtrack, it was kind of punk rock, but it's more like surf punk like it's a little more like what you hear in a quentin tarantino movie okay okay kind of you know that's what it sounds very california surf punk 
Yeah, okay. I would dig it then. Okay. Maybe. At least the soundtrack. The people in the the punky people in the film are all kind of mohawked, uh, bow wow wow looking types. <laughs> are the punk rockers kind of more of a, a stereotypical, or are they um, sort of sort? Okay, all right. Sort of, but what do you think about? Because he literally says to one of them, who's going on this whole rant about how he's going to kill people, or you know, he's, and then he's going to rob the store and he's going to take off. Um, he says some, some, something to him like, shut up. You're just a suburban punk like me. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is. It looks like like a bunch of like bored kids who are all, you know, dressed in the mohawks and the, um, you know, the spiked hair and shit. And they're pretty aimless. But yet there's a scene where that same kind of punk kid, his girlfriend, who does look like the lead singer from Bow Wow Wow, are in the car together. And he starts saying stuff like, when are we going to get married? They're in front of a convenience store. When are we going to get married? I want you to have my baby. Why don't we have, why don't we just go live somewhere in the country? And, you know, they get out of the car and they go into the convenience store and they rob it <laughs> and shoot people moments later. So, you know, it's very kind of campy, tongue-in-cheek weird. It, it, it feels like this movie may have influenced Quentin. Could be because I would, yeah you cause, know because yeah. what because when you, when you were describing that and then what you just you know described as the payoff you know was what I was thinking it was at the diner where you have you know them sitting there just talking back and forth about the the last robbery they did and it's very casual and then all of a sudden it's like what you want to do this place right now okay. I work the crowd. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's calling her Honey Bunny as she's up there on the table with the gun yeah. pointing at people. Calm down, Honey Bunny. It's okay. <laughs> so it's just you know you you're just having a regular you know conversation about a job you did, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and you know, so it's just if they're sitting there in the car and they're talking about hey getting married and having babies, and all of a sudden they go in and knock off a liquor store that they're sitting in front of. I guess so. Well, the yeah. guy is. The girl seemed pretty disinterested in this whole concept, but... <laughs> yeah, okay. But he was the same one who was ranting about how, you know, um, how violent he was. Then in the next scene, you know, he's threatening to take his girlfriend out to the country and, you know, live on a farm or whatever it was <laughs> suggesting. <laughs> so, knowing, um, I guess, the uh, you know, the library of work that uh, Harry Dean Stanton... Is this a good role for Harry, or was this like, ah, uh, come on? No, it was pretty good. He was okay. good. Right. Everybody's very natural. Well, maybe, meh, maybe some of the punks were a little over the top, but <laughs> and cartoony. But uh, yeah, no, I think it worked very well for him, for all of them. They, the. So you've been I, Amelia I know, but, then, okay? Oh, Amelia was good. He okay. was really good. Okay. And he looked good. He looked so young, though. Yeah, it's true. Jeez, <laughs> what is he? Sixteen. But so, no, actually, I think he was supposed to be 21, but he did look very young. Um, but maybe like they had this little the love interest, which is the girl who was trying to give the story to the um, FBI ish crew. Right. Uh, maybe that that relationship that wasn't much of a relationship. And <laughs> that was a little weird. You know, he she I think she works at some kind of like uh, UFO museum. OK. And, and he goes to visit her. And they're standing there with the little statues of aliens and things. Um, and he just takes his pants off. 
Because I think they, you know, they had some little escapade in one of the cars that he was repoing. Um, so, uh, you know, I was kind of like, well, this is a little unnecessary. Okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, she smacks him, I guess. But it really, it was kind of anti um, Christopher Columbus and, you know, John Hughes. Okay. All right. It was kind of like the the dirty flip side of John Hughes' movie. <laughs> I just, it, it, it's it's going to be it, it it would be interesting that you know if John Hughes would have like watched Repo Man and said you know what I think I I think I found the guy that's going to be my sporto. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, Maybe yeah. I've never made the connection because I hadn't seen the film before except for those you know couple of little couple of scenes. Right, right. But come to think of it, if I had seen it, I might have made that connection because you're right. The music and that robber couple and that sh- open of the of the briefcase and the shiny what have you okay. that reflects off everybody's face, but you never get to see what's in there. Right. It's true. Interesting. I um I yeah I'm interested now. I'm intrigued. I I I might have to you know put this in the old catalog of my brain and uh, you know. <laughs> Possibly next time that I'm like surfing around and you know and looking for something to watch, maybe I'll I'll queue it up. Yeah, well, not a bad way to spend an hour and a half. Okay, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, I mean, it's very, you know, it's it's geared to you know a young punk. We're not going to appreciate it in the same way, but right, I think you'll be able to remember that by watching. Yeah, yeah, and there's you know there, there's a couple of these that I have. You know, seen in my later life that I never saw before. And, you know, I can, you know, look at it from almost the lens of, you know, what was going on in the 80s, you know, that mm-hmm. this kind of was indicative of, you know, versus my older guy mentality. Because, you know, movies are much different take when you're a father and you're older and you have your adult, you know, uh, cynicisms. You yeah, know, absolutely. And, you know, and, and sadly, yeah, and <laughs> we lose our, you know, uh, our ability to suspend our disbelief in certain situations. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, yeah, certain movies, you know, like back in the day, you know, like, you know, a perfect example of that is uh, Little Darlings from, uh, you know, that had Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill. Mm-hmm. You know, when that first came out, I absolutely loved that movie. Of course, you know, having a crush on Christian McNichol, you know, helped that all the way. Yeah, but I think that has a lot to do with why you like a movie. If you are just a fan of that person, you'll right. go and you'll buy it, right, right, because you like that person. But you don't have that crush again when you're, you know, when you're grown up. So yeah, but now if I revisit that movie, and knowing that the theme is that they're having a contest about who's going to lose their virginity first, as a father. I'm appalled by that. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So, you know, suddenly there's like, you know, you know, just based on where I am in my life, I've got to remember that when I'm watching like possibly a movie like Repo Man, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, what was going on back then that, you know, really kind of triggered this and made it a cult classic. Um, Right. You know. Yeah. So I don't really show my daughter these movies because – you forget that the the 
raunchy things about them because at the time it didn't hit you the same way. Right. You don't feel you're not a parent that has that responsibility to teach your kids right and wrong. Right. So I don't real I don't try to watch these movies with my kids. I don't oh there was one real real big epic fail on this part where my my husband thought it would be a nice idea to show my daughter the Kentucky Fried movie. Oh dear God. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to go jump out a window. <laughs> You know, and even movies that really aren't that like um, uh, Kentucky Fried movie is just gratuitous. Um, oh God! Yeah, uh, gratuitous <laughs> with really porn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know, movies that are endearing for the '80s, like Breakfast Club. I was watching that with my youngest daughter, and I forgot all of the like somehow I had forgotten all of the dialogue that Bender gives about trying to get the prom queen impregnated or touch, you know, uh, you know, touch her panties, you know, or, and things like that. And all of a sudden I'm watching this with my daughter. I'm like, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't know why I, good I idea anymore. Yeah. yeah. I have those moments yeah. regularly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Maybe. I don't... <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, she's, you know, with all the modern movies and, you know, the, the things that they're exposed to, I mean, I guess they're not, um, you know, it's not like she's naive to that stuff. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I just don't, it's like, I don't want to be the guy that's introducing it to her. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, see, my daughter was pretty much of an adult by the time we sat down and watched the movie, but it's still. Right. Cr- pretty cringy. Yeah. Take the sit and watch as a family. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That would be my my choice. Yeah, you know. To, yeah, I was to... like, what? Because I'd never seen it either. <laughs> I wouldn't have allowed it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Once <laughs> you've seen I... it, you're like, uh, you know, no, no, no. We didn't have no. This was not a good choice. Yeah. But. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it is what it is at that point. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So, anything else on Repo Man? Hmm. I don't know. I think it held up okay because from the beginning it was a little satirical, you know? Uh-huh. So it wasn't really – I don't know that it was really trying to present, you know, life as it really was. It's And you you forgive things more, I think, over time as opposed to, you know, a movie that was taking itself more seriously. Okay. They're like, oh, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I – um. Yeah, you know, I I think that I would probably have to apply the same kind of lens I did when I saw They Live uh, for the first time, and I think that actually is coming up a little bit here. Yeah, actually, two more movies from now, um, because I didn't visit that one until uh, yeah much later in my life. But I started to appreciate kind of the messaging that was going on about consumerism. Um, you know that was mm. in it. Um, but we can get there. We'll get there. So, um, yeah, okay. So if uh, there's nothing else on Repo Man, uh, we're going to do is just kind of wrap things up on this episode uh, and uh, just get ourselves ready for the next one. Uh, so, uh, Okey-doke. <laughs> so that's the essential movie list. You know, as I said, we're carrying our, our, our way down. So that was 56, and we'll be tackling 55, which is broadcast news on the next episode. 
So uh, thank you all for listening. We do have a website. Go out there, bonsairetroclub.com. Do all the clicky, clicky things. Suzanne <laughs> has got her suzannemataboni.com. Stay tuned for that. She's got a book that's going to be coming out real, real soon that yeah. you are going to run to the uh, uh, the bookstore and Amazon and order immediately. Um, what was the name of that again? Once in a Lifetime. Once in a Lifetime. Outstanding. Um, and I'm looking forward to my signed copy. Um, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> all right. And then uh, so this is us saying be excellent to each other and have a good whatever having no idea when you're going to listen to this podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Ba, 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 ba. This has been a Bonsai Retro Club production. Bonsai, Daniel you Hey, Bonsai! 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 Bonsai!